lot of the rhetoric around, you know, you paid how much for tickets? And I'm sorry, are these young women crazy? Are they like blowing their life savings? Are they complaining they can't buy a house because they're too busy buying Taylor Swift tickets? So much of that rhetoric is just rooted in like anti-womanism. And I think it's worth paying attention to the fact that like, yeah, it is a lot of money that of course could be spent um, elsewhere, could be making more money elsewhere, could be, you know, in a savings account, you can invest it, what have you. But I think it's so fascinating to look at how much is too much and who's putting that judgment on what is too much. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Loving Money, the podcast with Lise Wilcox, and I am your intrepid adventurous host, Lise Wilcox. We're going to have adventures in money together today. This is the place to be if you, like me, want to change your relationship to money and thereby change your relationship to life. All we're doing here is naming, de-shaming, and reframing everything you thought you knew about money so that we can actually have a great, intelligent, comfortable, safe, secure, playful, dare I say, fun conversation about money and explore some threads of like, this gets kind of dark and heavy, cultural programming that has affected us in the past. But I swear, we're gonna have a good time. So how is your day going so far? I hope that wherever you are listening to this, you are well and that you're, you know, just kind of chill, living your best life. In case you haven't seen this yet, I mean, there are always memes that are going around Instagram that say things like charge what you're worth and then add tax. I have been guilty of this myself and now I kind of cringe at it. But my cringe turned into a good motivation because everybody talks about charging what you're worth, but nobody really tells you how to charge what you're worth. And I decided to rewrite that narrative. So if you head over to my website, leesbillcox.com, you can grab your free training where I walk you through. It's like probably half an hour, unless again, like me, you put everything on 1.25 speed so you can accelerate through it. So it's like maybe a 20 minute training and it's really simple. I walk you through my own signature pricing strategy that I've used not only for my business, but for countless of other clients' businesses as well, where I literally break down what it means to charge what you're worth. It's just a few simple calculations that we get to go through together. It's really easy and it provides an actual framework as to how, as to, how to charge what you are worth and actually charge what you want to make. Too often I see people basing their businesses only on passion and it's like they become profit averse. And if you're running a business that's only based on passion, that isn't making money, hard truth, soft pillow, you have a very expensive hobby that occupies a lot of your time. Hobbies are great. Passion is great. If you want to take that hobby to the next level, you have to be making money at it. Otherwise, it's all consuming. So if you go to my website, as I said, leaseblowcox.com, grab this free video training, charge what you're worth, and I walk you through the process of how to actually combine both passion and profit so that you get to become unstoppable in your business. So you should check that out. Today, we are talking about someone who is <laughs> ultra famous for combining both passion and profit. I will give you a hint. Her Eras tour has sold out not only across the United States, 
but across the globe. Of course, I am talking about the one and only Taylor Swift. And today we are talking about Taylor Swift anomics because this era's tour is blowing up records literally across the globe. So the, the question of summer 2023 has been, did you get tickets? And so I would really like to know, <laughs> drop me a message on Instagram at Lise Wilcox or hello at leasewilcox.com. Please tell me, did you get tickets? And if so, where? And if you went, how was it? My kids and I were shopping at Canadian Tire not too long ago. I was sending my eldest daughter to sleepaway camp and we needed to get things like a paddle and a ground sheet and rubber boots, all, all, the, all the hits. And as we were in the checkout line, my youngest daughters were each wearing an Eras Tour t-shirt that they had just from the merch shop, not from the, not from the concert itself. But the gal working at the desk or at the, what's it called, cashier at Canadian Tire, it was like this shared currency that we had. We, she looked at their shirts and she was like, did you get tickets? <laughs> and she was telling us all about how she had got tickets to go and see Taylor Swift play New Jersey and that it was so good. Like the show was so extra. She was going to get tickets again. Now, Toronto is the closest place that I could have got tickets for my kids and I to go because this to me is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I've been a Swifty for a long time. My children tell me that I'm not as much of a fan as they are, oh, that I'm not a true Swifty, quote unquote. And I was like, y'all, who do you think introduced you to Taylor Swift? Ah, anyway big fan. And I was a part of the Toronto ticket debacle because I don't know if you were part of this too, but in August, 2023, Taylor announced, okay, do you think I can be on a first name basis with her? Do I have to call her Miss Swift or Taylor Swift? Tay Tay? I'm just going to call her Taylor. And if she's listening to this, hi, I love you. You're a queen. Anywho. So yes, in August, 2023, after she had announced like worldwide tour dates she hadn't actually announced any canadian shows and people were pissed there were like the prime minister sent her a message on instagram which was totally cringeworthy and he tried to like quote some of her songs and it it was bad real bad incidentally he got divorced afterwards and i'm just saying there is a connection to be made there. The premier of Alberta sent her a message that was like, we can't believe you're leaving Canada out of your tour. Like people were pissed. Not to mention all of the fans, present company included, who were like, what the actual hell? How are you going all across the world and not coming to Canada? So in August, she announced she would do six, like six back-to-back -back shows, which in itself is a record breaker. I don't think anybody's ever done six back-to-back -back shows in this one particular stadium. And we were stoked naturally, right? Like I stopped what I was doing that day <laughs> to, to figure out how to get tickets. And it was a lottery system because Ticketmaster has this big cough fraudulent thing happening for her other shows. Ticketmaster sold out of tickets, but they were all bought by like StubHub bots. Well, spoiler alert, StubHub is owned by Ticketmaster. So they were basically selling tickets to themselves or to themselves rather, and then doubling, tripling, quadrupling those prices on tickets to actual fans. It was a nightmare and a shit show and it almost broke the internet. So for the Canadian release, 
they decided to do this fakakta idea where you had a limited window to go and pre-register. So you'd become like a verified fan on Ticketmaster. And if you became a verified fan, then maybe <laughs> a week later, maybe they would send you a special access code that would allow you to get in the queue to buy tickets or they'd put you on a wait list. And like every myself and everybody I know had people like everybody signed up for 10 different accounts. It was like, if you're not planning on going to see Taylor Swift, can you please use your email address to register for this account? And I think the last number was like 31 million people applied for Taylor Swift tickets. They sent out like 400 codes or something ridiculous. There was like no codes that they sent out. There was a second cohort. If you were an RBC Avion credit card holder, same thing. They opened up their own separate application process because they're one of the title sponsors. And you had the opportunity to, um, to get a code from your RBC Avion credit card. Well, guess what? Both my husband and I have Avion credit cards. And did either of us get a code? No, we got waitlisted again. So it was one of those things where I was like, I did this like cost benefit analysis in my head. And I was like, this is crazy. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yes, I can get scalped tickets and go and take my family to Taylor Swift in Toronto. You know, we live like an hour and a bit away from the city. So we're probably still gonna have to get a hotel and it's gonna become a thing and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, or we could go to one of her other shows in another part of the, the world. So I decided to hedge my bets and um, I'm Dutch and I have a ton of family who still lives in Amsterdam. And so I'm really happy to say I did get tickets and I got tickets for her show in Amsterdam in July, 2024. So my whole family is going to go back to Holland and just the kids and I are going. Mr. Wonderful apparently doesn't want to go and see the show, which I think is crazy, but that's fine. And so it's like, it's official. We're going to see Taylor Swift and it's just mind-blowingly awesome. As I said, I feel like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I had a capped ticket price I was willing to pay for a Toronto show, which I'll share with you in the spirit of name, de shame, reframe. I was fully prepared to spend a thousand bucks a ticket. You know, I went to see, not I went to see, I took my family to see uh, Billy Joel in hmm, 2022 at Madison Square Garden. And it was like the time that it was the same weekend that Mr. Wonderful proposed to me. And then we went to see Billy Joel all together. And it was amazing. Like seeing Billy Joel icon live at the garden was a once in a lifetime experience. So yeah, the tickets were expensive, but after the fact, you don't even notice it because it was epic. Like singing, we didn't start the fire with my three kids in like all purple lighting. Like I'm going to have that forever. Likewise, my hubby turns 50 very soon. And so I bought tickets to see Bruce Springsteen live in Vancouver, like the West coast of Canada. He has his daughter out there. So we're taking her and it's like the tickets were again, the tickets were real expensive and like close to a thousand bucks each uh, and totally worth it because we have this, it's an epic milestone birthday and it's going to be, you know, with his daughter that who we don't get to see very often because we live so far apart. So it's like this, this mega life moment experience. Well, spoiler alert, I feel exactly the same way about Taylor Swift. So yes, 
I bought tickets for about a thousand bucks each. They were, they were less than that, but by the time you convert it and then you add all the resale fees, it ends up like they, I don't know, I think maybe they were 500 bucks, but by the time they actually get to me, they're like a thousand dollars each. So that kind of sucks, but it also stays within my own personal boundary for what those tickets are worth to me. I love to tell my kids that it's never about the cost. It's about the value. So what does something, what's the value that something brings to you? That's my metric of like, is this too expensive or not, right? If it costs you your piece, it's always too expensive. If it enhances your life, to me, it's like, mm, hang the expense because the value is there. And that's where this conversation with Taylor Swift Dynamics comes in because it opens up the door to see how is Taylor Swift, the queen of getting us to look at our relationships, how is she now getting us to look at our relationship to money? The Eras Tour in the US alone is projected to generate $5 billion in the into the economy. That's a capital B. $5 billion will be pumped into the US economy alone just by this, the era's tour itself. So we're talking about, you know, not only the cash injection from people buying these exorbitantly priced tickets, but having a place to stay, you know, hotels across the US are like, we haven't seen volume like this since pre-pandemic. And it's not just a post-pandemic travel thing. People are literally coming and booking hotels, Airbnbs, just for the concerts. So we have hotels, we have food, we have merch, we have all of the things people do when they're traveling. And because Taylor Swift has such a dedicated fan base and released like three albums during the pandemic, plus the re-recorded versions of all her other albums, she's such a boss, God. She hasn't been able to, to tour and nobody's been able to see her live. She's known for putting on a killer show. So this is just a perfect storm of magical musical talent. So again, in the US economy alone, Taylor Swift is injecting, the, the ripple effects of, of Taylor Swift are injecting like 5B into the economy. So then we look at, you know, what effect does that have from South America to Europe to across North America? I don't know if she's going to Asia. I think it just might be those few continents. But think about the ripple effect financially that her tour is having on the global, the global economy. And we are talking being in a financial climate that is kind of fucked up. Nobody knows how to get a, get control of interest rates. There are accusations of price gouging happening at grocery stores across the, the continent right now because, you know, food availability really was decreased over the pandemic. And of course, as supply goes up, sorry, as supply goes down and demand goes up, yeah, food got more expensive. But as the logistics of the pandemic kind of even themselves out, interestingly, food prices still remained astronomically high. I'm talking like, I'm sure that you're already aware of this, but like, I think I paid $8 for a cantaloupe the other day. And then I was like, sorry, guys, we don't eat cantaloupe anymore. Why? Because the value just isn't there. Like $8 for a cantaloupe, 
the cost is too high, the value is not high enough. Anyway, so there's just a lot going on. The, the Russia, the Ukraine, mortgage and interest rates, like it's it's a shit show. It's like the wild west of the economy. And Taylor Swift comes along and injects five billion through her era's tour. That's something to take serious note of. She's also really well known for paying her staff very well. So the truckers, the roadies, the guys who actually make the show happen, she gives them like six figure bonuses because she's badass. I just feel like that has to be taken note of as well because now she's empowering financially her very large staff, which gives them more economic freedom and control in their own lives, right? But then we have this third category. So we've got like this big ripple effect on this like global basis of how much she's injecting into the, the world economy. And we have this like more micro effect. This is why I'm calling this episode Taylor Swiftonomics because we're literally talking about macro and microeconomics at the same time. But this micro effect of paying her staff really well and giving them personal agency and being able to have like a more comfortable family lifestyle and shocker, being able to charge what they're worth. Brilliant. Love it. This third tier is this it comes down to like cost versus value. So, you know, I do like, don't get me wrong. I think it's outrageous that I spent a thousand bucks per ticket and there are four of us. So you go ahead and do that little mental math on your own. It's, it's insane. And it's such a valuable experience that I get to give to my daughters in their tween and teen years. To me, this is like, it's beyond. My uncle Carl took me to see Tiffany for my first concert at Canada's Wonderland, this amazing theme park in Toronto. And you're not going to believe this. New Kids on the Block was the opening act. So it was like, they were the openers. So it was kind of before they were really NKOTB. And I was seven. That's a lot of years ago. I'm not going to do the mental math on that. It was just a long time ago. And it was a formative memory because it was just so high impact. So again, for me, dropping <laughs> dropping a few G's on Taylor Swift tickets sucks, but also is amazing. But that begs the question, how much is too much? And from a patriarchal lens, you may have noticed that it's usually women who get shit on for our purchases. You know, our family went to visit my husband's friend at their, at their cottage not too long ago, and he has a ridiculous boat. Like we're talking like a 200K boat. And the rhetoric around dudes buying outrageous things like $200,000 boats is like sick boat, bro. You know, like this goes so fast. You must be a baller. You must make enough to, to finance this. It's like this element of respect for women. When we do things like get our nails done or want a nice handbag or like, you know, choose to invest in ourselves. The rhetoric is always like, oh, you don't have any money because you're too busy buying lattes and frivolous things like manicures and avocado toast. There's such a disconnect that guys get to spend money on toys and things that bring them joy, like golf. You know how expensive golf is? Race car driving. You know how expensive it is to be a race car driver? Like you have to have serious coin to pursue that. 
but it's all celebrated and really, yeah, it's celebrated and it's seen as like a marker of success and power and privilege if you're a dude and you get to invest in all those really expensive things. However, if you're a woman and you do things like drop $4,000 on Taylor Swift tickets, it's typically seen with a, a great amount of judgment. And I bring this up because this podcast is accidentally a feminist manifesto. There are so many systemic and institutional, intergenerational narratives, beliefs, culture makers that we don't even know how oppressive it is because we've just grown up in it, you know? And a lot of us who already feel empowered, who maybe haven't even felt like we've faced discrimination, I bring this up because it's it's more along the lines of this pink tax, you know, it's more expensive to be a woman. And by the way, you're going to get judged ferociously if you spend money on the things that bring you joy, because it's like there's this unspoken currency or this unspoken messaging that if you're a woman, you should be really responsible with your finances and you should be like really aware and savvy and making sure your family is taken care of. But if you're a dude, we already assume you're financially savvy and aware. So it's okay for you to make quote unquote frivolous or reckless purchases. And that to me is so fascinating in this conversation around people, especially and honestly, predominantly women, sorry, not sorry, buying Taylor Swift tickets. It's like, there's a lot of judgment around the cost that's going into having this experience. Whereas if it were a male centered experience, I don't think the judgment would be as prevalent. Now there's an argument to be made of like, so how much is too much? Again, for me, it is always about value and almost never about the cost. But there's an argument to be made that like, well, hang on a second. If that money that you're spending on tickets could have been invested elsewhere, then how much are you really spending? So, you know, for me, spending a thousand bucks a ticket, is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Could I have taken that money, invested it somewhere else and then made more money for myself and then actually just sat at home and listened to her albums? that you know that rhetoric is going to come up. And of course, in our spending, there has to be, there has, we have to have boundaries, right? You know, I talk almost exclusively about wealth EQ, our feelings around money. And then there's this other part that like literally everybody else in finance talks about, which is wealth IQ, understanding money as a tool and how to leverage that tool to make more of it. A lot of the rhetoric around, you know, you paid how much for tickets? And I'm sorry, are these young women crazy? Are they like blowing their life savings? Are they complaining they can't buy a house because they're too busy buying Taylor Swift tickets? So much of that rhetoric is just rooted in like anti-womanism. And I think it's worth paying attention to the fact that like, yeah, it is a lot of money that of course could be spent um, elsewhere, could be making more money elsewhere, could be, you know, in a savings account, you can invest it, what have you. But I think it's so fascinating to look at how much is too much and who's putting that judgment on what is too much. Does that make sense? For me, the takeaway is Taylor Swift is an incredibly, incredible musician. You know, she's a lyrical genius. She has been a trailblazer in a lot of ways. And yes, she's white. And yes, she's of privilege. That 
I'm, I'm aware of the intersectionality here. And she has made so many trailblazing moments like the, the lawsuit, the sexual harassment suit where she sued, I think, what was it? The, the radio DJ for a dollar because he like sexually assaulted her on camera. And even though they had video footage of it, it like wasn't enough proof. I believe she ended up winning it. She only sued him for a dollar just to really make the point that she had a voice that she could use. And it wasn't about the money. It was about recognition and holding people accountable. You know, her former record company or producer, I can't remember which one, my bad, um, owned all the rights to her music and was like, she wasn't making enough money from that because she didn't own the rights anymore, which is why she re-recorded everything in Taylor's version. So she would actually own her music, which by the way, she writes, right? So I think she's a pretty incredible woman and being able, an incredible woman and like super savvy business owner, I have tons of respect for her as a boss. This tour is so financially fascinating because of the ripple effects it's having at this macro and micro scale. When we look at what Taylor Swift is teaching us about our relationship to money, specifically around our concert tickets, to me, again, it just brings up such an interesting conversation. What is the cost? What is the value? How are you choosing to spend your money? How are you choosing to spend your life? And what are the values in place that create a system of feelings that allow you to do what you want or that make you feel like you need to hold back? You know, is there, I think that it's, it's remiss to not say we, like we each have indulgences. All of us have indulgences. Is a Taylor Swift ticket and a uh, concert ticket an indulgence? Probably. Is it worth it? A hundred percent. You know, is a really expensive boat or car or golf membership also an indulgence? Yes. And there is a narrative at play in our cultural ether that that is okay. Like that's permissible. But when it comes to something that's more female centered, the narrative and the rhetoric is that it's like less responsible, that it's more irresponsible to spend that much on just a concert ticket. When again, we're watching dudes blow so much money on basketball tickets. Like, have you bought a basketball ticket recently to an NBA game? Best of luck to you. NHL tickets, most of those seats, certainly in Toronto, I don't know about other venues, but certainly in Toronto, most of the seats are held by corporate corporations. So it's actually really, really difficult to get a fan unless you are gifted tickets or scalp tickets. But anyway, kind of going down a rabbit hole here. My point is we all have indulgences. The male indulgences tell to be, tend to be held with respect and a status symbol, you know, this, this feeling of power and worth, whereas the female indulgences like Taylor Swift tickets, like regular manicures, whatever else you love to do that makes you feel good and brings you joy and pleasure tends to be held with less regard and written off as a reckless expense. So Taylor Swift genomics, we're looking at the big picture. We're looking at the middle picture. We're looking at the little picture as well. 
This all comes down to being able to love money and really understand how you name de-shame and reframe your feelings about money so that you can change your relationship to money. When you change your relationship to money, of course you change your relationship to life because it changes how you show up for yourself and for other relationships in your life. If that feels good to you, go to my website and check out my new course, Loving Money. It's very similar in content to the podcast. And I walk you through one-on-one how to actually go through the process of changing your relationship to money. The feedback on the course so far has been amazing. And people, it's like, it's a seven day course. I designed it because nobody really wants to do a course. We think we want to do a course. Then we sit down to do it. We're like, oh, how am I going to get time for this? So it's like really easy. It's about an hour a day for seven days. The feedback has been so positive that it's actually letting people change their lives. It's opening up conversations about money with their partner. It's letting them look at their past experiences with a brand new light and it's less than 200 bucks. So if you use the code loving money, which is exclusive to this podcast, head over, use that code at the checkout and you'll save uh, a few bucks on your way out, which you could just say, just saying, invest in a Taylor Taylor Swift ticket for yourself or whatever feels good for you. Charge what you're worth. Taylor Swift is an excellent, excellent example to do that. And she's like a shining expander for what is possible when you truly, truly believe in the value of yourself and your product and you stand firmly bejeweled in in that worth. Thank you so much for being here. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead, leave a review, rate the podcast. It helps other people get more access to the podcast. It helps the podcast grow organically, or you can go old school and just tell a friend. You want to post on Instagram that you are loving the show. Go ahead and tag me at Lise Wilcox. I love to reshare and I love reading reviews. Thanks so much for being here. I know your time is precious and worth a lot as well. And I'm so, so grateful that you are getting value out of this. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.